This is the Troll Patrol. Live. With Justin. Freaking. Welcome to the Troll Patrol. Live. It's a freaking Tuesday. I got cut off last night. I think possibly my computer overheated. I think possibly I didn't have my fans running. Also, I hadn't cleaned the case in a little while, so I I did a deep clean last night. Hopefully we have fixed the issue. It was red fucking hot. I do believe the fans are running. That's the next thing I'm going to invest in is a new cooling system for my computer. Because I've invested a lot of money in everything else in the computer. And upgraded and upgraded and added more and more shit to it. It probably is having a hard time staying cool. Just another thing complicating issues. That's been my life lately. Just not bad, but just complicated things convoluted things keep happening to me I'm not high enough for any of this shit I'm not pull a gun on a Chipotle worker frustrated yet though the video Sparkles and I watched on the Friday Night Freak Show I'm going to put that up on YouTube tomorrow when I actually get my YouTube back. I was arguing with this dumb fuck right winger today about how conservatives are censored on social media. Like, you don't have a right to a private company's bandwidth, servers. Whoa, how the fuck are you on YouTube? Am I on YouTube? What? Yeah, I have like a... People probably think I'm snorting the shit. Am I on YouTube right now? It's it's gonna trip me out if I am. I thought it was tomorrow when I came back. I I bought like a... two six packs of compressed air last time because I buy everything in bulk. That's when the when the toilet paper shortage last year happened, I'm like, ha ha ha! I've already I've got like three or four twenty four packs of toilet paper in the closet already. No no biggie for me. But the toilet paper shortage lasted long enough for me to go through all of the toilet paper I had and start to get a little worried. Oh shit. Did you guys know cops keep dying from COVID? That's a that's a thing that's actually happening right now. Weed! I need more weed. I'm not high enough. Later on the show we're gonna hear a sheriff in Florida give a stern warning to gun owners. What's weird mixed messaging from right wingers? Shit that we didn't get a cover yesterday, like the 
spike in murders in the U.S. and the guy who shot Reagan getting released. Those are going to get an update on the 39 miners that were stuck underground. I think all of them have been rescued at this moment in time. China has banned the Bitcoin. We're going to find out about that. Plus, by the end of the show, we're going to see a herd of goats converge on a street corner in Atlanta. If you had any worries about the feds being able to locate Brian Laundrie, the man who apparently is a suspect in the killing of his girlfriend, never fear. Dog the Bounty Hunter is on the case. (laughs) The R1 variant has been detected in California. An NBA player is going to dismantle the leftist logic on vaccine mandates. I'm really looking forward to that. Alabama is wanting to use federal COVID money to build prisons is like the most Alabama thing ever. Let's start off tonight with Mitch McConnell and the minority leader, Mitch McConnell and the Senate majority leader, Chucky Schumer going back and forth over the debt ceiling today on the Senate floor. Mr. President, the majority leader in a quorum. We are not. Well, Mr. President, last night, Senate Republicans voted unanimously to make a default and a shutdown far more likely, and in doing so, solidified themselves as the party of default, the party that says America does not pay. Oh, he turned his cell phone off this time as he started speaking, because it started ringing on him yesterday when he was giving his impassioned speech. It's debts. Now, despite yesterday's stunning display of obstruction, The fact remains that we need to raise the debt ceiling. And in a few moments, I will offer a way forward for us to avoid causing unnecessary and catastrophic default on the debt. Over the last two days, the Republican leader has repeatedly cited an instance in the mid-2000s during which Republicans held full control of the government and voted by themselves to increase the debt limit. Here's what he said. That is exactly the same situation we're in now. The exactly the same situation. We heard him say it last night. Now, the Senate was able to raise the debt ceiling at that time because the then Republican majority leader made a consent request to this body that cleared the way for the Senate to increase the debt limit by a majority threshold instead of requiring 60 votes to break a filibuster. The minority party under this agreement, was able to vote no, which is what they claim they want to do. And the majority party was able to approve a debt limit. Sounds like Mitch is daring you to do it, Chucky. So we are proposing the same thing today. The same thing the leader cited and said the situation is exactly the same. Simply allow for a simple majority threshold to raise the, raise the debt ceiling and avoid this needless catastrophe that Republicans have steered us toward. We are simply asking Senator McConnell to live by his own example. We have given the Republicans what they want. As if. And now the ball 
is in there. You are asking Mitch McConnell to not be a hypocrite. They want what they say they want. We're not asking them to vote no. Vote. We're not asking them to vote yes. If Republicans want to vote to not pay the debts they helped incur. Some Republicans are on the Democrat side, like Senator Richard Shelby, who is not running for re-election. Get out of the way when you, when you are risking the full faith and credit of the United States to play a nasty political game. Nasty. Bring this to a resolution today. Using the drawn-out and convoluted reconciliation process is far too risky, far too risky. To many, to too many American families are at stake. Far better for us to solve this problem right here and right now. And so, Mr. President, as if in legislative session, I ask unanimous consent that at a time to be determined by the majority leader, following consultation with the Republican leader, the Senate proceed to the consideration of S-2868, a bill to suspend the debt limit, which was introduced... No, McConnell wants his bill that he put forward. Two hours for debate because for some reason, the minority party thinks they get to dictate the terms. That upon the use or yielding back of time, the bill be considered read a third time, and the Senate vote on the passage of the bill with no intervening... You're going to get to hear from debate. McConnell? Yes. Reserving the right to object. The Republican leader. Mr. President, uh, my colleagues wants to discuss precedents from a decade ago. But he and his colleagues have spent all year... But that's what, that's what you did. ...to doing to the country and the economy is completely without precedent. I agree. What they're trying to do is completely without precedent. There's nothing normal, nothing normal about Democrats using reconciliation multiple times to blow a $5.5 trillion hole in the deficit without a single vote from our side. Debt limit increases like the one we saw in 2006... No, 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 that's exactly what the Republicans did. ...not precursors to a massive blowout reconciliation package that Republicans were just waiting, waiting... Republicans added $7 trillion to the debt. The Democratic bill is actually paid for. It's actually simple. I've said for more than two months that we will not help this unified Democratic government raise the debt ceiling. Democrats will not get bipartisan help borrowing money so they can immediately blow historic songs on a partisan taxing... And historic songs... Democrat leader knew this request. Oh, did McConnell remind you of the turtle? No chance. No chance. The Republican conference will go out of our way we, to help Democrats. Proof there is no God. And energy. Ain't nobody going to strike this man down. He's going to live to be 107. He's still going to be in the Senate torturing us. This Democratic government has spent months boasting about the radical transformation they're ramming through. They're proud of it. They have no standing whatsoever. But may God strike him down. More convenient. When the Democratic leader was recently in the minority, he made us file cloture on matters that weren't one-tenth this controversial. We had to invoke cloture on nominees who went on to be confirmed with literally zero votes. 
in opposition. But now, the Democratic leader wants us to skip that step on something this controversial. You're full of shit, Mitch. This controversial? Of course. I am not high enough for Mitch McConnell's bullshit. All year long, Democrats have wanted to control government spending all on their own. They wanted to be in the position they're in right now. They requested from the parliamentarian and one extra flexibility to redo reconciliation. So if Democrats want to use fast track party line, we're going to hear from Roseanne tonight, by the way, that's going to be fun. They'll have to use the same tool to raise the death ceiling. Why are we going to hear from Roseanne? Because she was on with Candace Owens. There's bound to be some bullshit. Lots of bullshit to make fun of. Of our country. I'm about to propose a different consent. One that will allow Democrats to start the budget process they will need to use to raise the death ceiling. Our Democratic colleagues will need to do this alone. But I'll propose an agreement to ensure the process can begin as soon as Democrats accept that this is the path they need to take. Therefore, Mr. President. Sounds like a threat, Mitch. The request that has been made by the majority leader so that in lieu of this proposal, if the budget committee reports out a 304 budget resolution with instructions to raise the debt limit or is discharged from consideration of such resolution, the Senate proceed to its immediate consideration. Does the majority leader so modify his request? He is basically begging the Democratic Party to kill the filibuster. It's the same risky process in place. And for the love of God, do it. Do it, Chuck. Return from what he has offered time and time again. Democrats vote yes. Added $7 trillion to the debt. But he refuses the Republican tax plan passed in 2017, which raised all of our taxes this year. Risky the way the Republican leaders is and his doesn't gave people pennies. And so there in the first couple of years, raised our taxes this year. Added seven trillion to the debt, which the Republicans passed through reconciliation. Mitch McConnell is full of shit, but also full of shit are a couple of Democrats. More than a couple, but we want to single out a couple here. Ilan Omar accuses Manchin and Cinema of being Republicans inside of the Democratic Party. Representative Ilan Omar called Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema Republicans on Monday night while expressing disappointment in their roles in endangering the President Joe Biden's ambitious Build Back Better plan. As by CNN's Manu Raja, Omar uh, was asked about the two centrist senators. She responded by saying, It is saddening to see them use Republican talking points. We obviously didn't envision having Republicans as part of our party. And I hope that they will understand that Democrats need to be united behind the president's agenda and we need to have urgent conversations about how to get this agenda done. Meanwhile, protests ensued around Joe Manchin's yacht. Advocates from several groups demonstrated outside of Senator Joe Manchin's houseboat on Monday 
protesting the senator's opposition to Democrats' multi-trillion dollar reconciliation package. Representatives from Young West Virginia, Race Matters West Virginia, the Center for Popular Democracy Action, uh, CASA, the largest grassroots immigrant advocacy organization in the Mid-Atlantic area, and Greenpeace protested outside of Manchin's houseboat in Washington, D.C. So here are some pictures from the protests. The Build Back Better brings jobs to West Virginia, one sign says. Don't sink West Virginia. Apparently the name of Mansion's boat is the Almost Heaven. So good on them. I hope Mansion is feeling the pressure. Greenpeace USA also said Monday was the first day of flotilla protests outside Mansion's houseboat, signaling that more demonstrations could come in the future. Fucking A. Cricks, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I am for whatever works. In, in a textbook sense, I'm a Burkean conservative. Who, who does, as I've said many times, I appear far leftist because that is the policy prescription for what else are society at this moment in time. I could see myself moving back to the right. I doubt that's going to happen in my lifetime given the landscape. Um... I don't I don't know I I don't know how would I I would actually describe myself. I'm for diagnosing problems and coming up with solutions to them. It just so happens that the the problem in a lot of situations right now is capitalism. Yes, I saw the charges being dropped against the the dude that ran over the protester. I didn't get a look at the the story. The shame, dude. Dude uh, got some fancy attorneys as well. I mean, I I could see myself in a situation. in a much different set of circumstances where I'm advocating for more right-wing policy, but, like, that ain't gonna happen on this country. (laughs) Not given the way things are now in my lifetime. I'm, I'm for whatever works. And, you know, like, as I say many times over, all economies are mixed economies. We're gonna have some form of competitive commerce go on inside of a socialistic system. And in order for for capitalism to work, it has to have some sort of, of socialistic component to keep it propped up. As as for what I am, I don't fucking I'm I'm a leftist. Sock dim. 
Greed never works, no. I'm pro-democracy. That If there's one thing you can say I am an advocate for, it is democracy. I think that is the solution to all of our problems, including the capitalist problems. When you give people the power, when the government is actually representative of the people, people will make the right decisions. And that's that's the problem in our country right now is that fucking oligarchs run everything. We don't actually have a representative democracy. I think democracy would go a long way in fixing a lot of our problems. I want to get rid of the House of Representatives and we all log in with our social security numbers and we all vote on legislation. And then it goes up to the Senate. And by doing that, we also like the House has the power to declare war. The House controls the budget. I think that that drastically changes the country and we have the technology to do that. I'm weird like that. You guys want to talk about General Milley? I didn't get a chance to broadcast it today. The Republicans are going to try to go for him. Uh, Also, uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin testified as well as General Milley. This is a Senate Armed Services Committee hearing. Thank you. General Milley, it's your testimony that you recommended 25... Man, I used to fuck this anarchist lady, and I never could really understand what she meant by anything. She was just anti-authority as far as I could tell, and I couldn't couldn't get a coherent reading on the anarchist's approach to anything. So I don't, I don't, I don't know... I think hierarchies are bad. I think the role of government is to right when you say it all the time, e- equality of opportunity and not equality of outcomes, but like they don't do anything that provides equality of opportunity, like providing everyone health care and, and an education and, you know, a, a basic income that they're able to use in our economy would go a long way to keeping corporations honest. And we wouldn't have to, you know, work for slave wages and it would free people up to be able to pursue whatever the fuck they want to do. That's that's equality of opportunity, if you ask me, is giving people health care, free education all the way through doctorate. I think that should all be paid for. I don't... There's all... The lost cause fairy tale plays a role in this, but, like, there's also this... The rugged individualism of American ideals. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Proudly Radical. Usually after I get off of here, I have to go and do, like, the real job shit. Um, 
we have this this individual mentality, and that's how their propaganda plays on us. Because, like, all the right-wingers will say, like, individual freedom and personal responsibility and yada, yada, yada. And what they mean is they're against collective action. They're against, like, unions. They're against the government regulating business. And I don't understand that. Because, like, it's like the the right-winger I was arguing with earlier today. I'm like, you're upset about Facebook regulating their platform that they own. You're upset at capitalism which literally means the rich people, because she she even said it. She was like, liberalism results in rich people having all the power. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Capitalism results in rich people having all the power. That is literally, literally the definition of capitalism. Rich people having all the power. So Facebook, because they own the platform, they own the servers, they own the bandwidth, they get to tell you what to fucking do. And if you don't play by their rules, you get kicked off the platform, you get muted for 30 days, whatever the fuck. I don't want to hear about some fucking conservative censorship. Go fuck yourself. It's the results of the free market that you say you're an advocate of. I have appealed my Twitter suspension yet again. I was super, super fucking nice. I'm just going to, every time I get rejected, I haven't had a Twitter since 2019. I'd really like to be back on Twitter. I'm just going to start appealing it like every time they reject it. I want to be back on Twitter. All right, this is Senator Tom Cotton. Questioning uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, General Milley. 100 troops uh, approximately stay in Afghanistan. Looks like we're talking about um, Afghanistan here, but I'm, we, we've got clips on the China call. Share my personal recommendations to the president, but I can tell you my personal opinion and my assessment if that's what you want. Yes, please. Um, yes, my assessment was... Uh, Back in the fall of 20, and it remained consistent throughout that uh, we should keep a steady state of 2,500, and it could bounce up to 3,500, maybe something like that, uh, in order to move toward a negotiated, gated solution. Did you uh, present? Did you ever present that assessment personally to President Biden? I don't discuss exactly what uh, my conversations are with the sitting president in the Oval Office, but I can tell you what my personal opinion was, and I'm okay. always candid. General McKenzie, do you share that assessment? Senator, I do share that assessment. Um, did you ever present that opinion personally to President Biden? Again, I'm not going to be able to comment on those executive discussions. Did General Miller ever present that opinion personally to President Biden? I think it would be best to ask him. I believe that his opinion was well heard. Uh, Secretary Austin, uh, President Biden last month in an interview with George Stephanopoulos said that no military leader advised him to leave a small troop presence in Afghanistan. Is that true? Probably not. Uh, Senator Cotton, I, uh, I believe that, uh, well, first of all, I, I know the president to be an honest and forthright man. Uh, and just, secondly... Just, it's a simple question, Secretary Austin. He said no senior military leader advised him to leave a small troop presence behind. Is that true or not? Did I mean, I kind of doubt that. I would say he got a get to the president wide array of different scenarios. Was received by the president and considered by the president, uh, for sure. 
Uh, in terms of what they specifically recommended, Senator, they just, as they just said, uh, they're not going to provide uh, what they recommended in confidence. I mean, it sounds to me, this is it's shocking to me. It sounds to me like shocking. Their best military advice was never presented personally to the president of the United States about such a highly consequential matter. I kind of doubt that. Another recommendation they are reported to have made. General Milley, uh, Joe Biden has said that it was the unanimous, the unanimous recommendation of the Joint Chiefs that we not maintain a military presence beyond August 31st. We've heard testimony to that effect today as well. When was that unanimous recommendation sought and presented to the president? You're talking about the 31 August. Yes, the 31 August deadline for getting out of here. So on 25 August, I was asked to make an assessment and provide best military advice on... I'm sorry, my time is limited here. You you gave me the answer that I needed here. August 25th? Correct. Cobble fell on August 15th. That's correct. You were not asked before August 25th? On August 25th, I was asked to provide best military assessment as whether we should keep military forces past the 31st. Secretary Austin, was anybody asked before August 25th if we should keep troops at the Kabul airport? This is uh, the president tasked us to to make to provide an assessment on whether or not uh, we should extend our our presence uh, beyond August 31st. And as General Milley just said. That assessment was, uh, was made. We tasked him to make that assessment on the 25th, and uh, he pro- came back and provided his best military advice. Secretary, Kabul fell on August 15th. It was clear that we had thousands of Americans. It was clear to members of this committee who were getting phone calls that we had thousands of Americans in Afghanistan behind Taliban lines on August 15th, and it took 10 days to ask these general officers. But Tom Cotton, indeed. I suspect the answer might be a little different if you were asking them 16 days out, not five days out. Uh, again, my time is limited. I, I want to move on to another matter. Um, <laughs> President Biden's botched evacuation screwed things up coming and going as it relates to Afghan evacuation. Coming and going. Thousands of Afghans who served us alongside of, side of us who were vetted and approved to come here. We brought out thousands who really have no particular connection about whom we know nothing and cannot be effectively vetted. You now have female troops who have been assaulted. You have Afghan evacuees committing sex crimes at Fort McCoy. What, what are we- to What? What steps are we taking to ensure that thousands of Afghans about who we know nothing are not going to be a menace- Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Troops at our military base. Are some of them saying we aren't getting the Afghans out enough and then others are complaining that like they're committing sex crimes? What the fuck? And I can assure you that uh, our commanders uh, at, at our bases have what they need to be able to uh, protect our, our troops and our, our families that, uh, that work and live at those bases. And I, uh, I'm in contact with General Van Herc, the NORTHCOM commander, who has overall, uh, who has overall uh, responsibility for the, for the operation uh, on a routine basis. And, uh, and this is an area that he remains cited on. All right. I've just got one final question. General Milley, I can only conclude that your advice about staying in Afghanistan was rejected. I'm shocked to learn that your advice wasn't sought until August 25th on staying past I don't think he said that. I I understand that you're the principal military advisor, that you advise, you don't decide, the president decides. But if all this is true, General Milley, why haven't you resigned? Senator, as a senior military officer, 
Um, resigning is a really serious thing. It's a political act if I'm resigning in protest. My job is to provide advice. My statutory responsibility is to provide legal advice or best military advice to the president. And that's my legal requirement. That's what the law is. Um, the president doesn't have to agree with Absolutely. He doesn't have to make those decisions uh, just because we're generals. And it would be an incredible act of political defiance for a commissioned officer to just resign because my advice is not taken. This country doesn't want generals figuring out what orders we are going to accept and do or not. That's not our job. The principle of civilian control of the military is absolute. It's critical to this republic. In addition to that, just from a personal standpoint, you know, my, my dad didn't get a choice to resign at Iwo Jima. And those kids there at Abbey Gate, they don't get a choice to resign. And I'm not going to turn my back on them. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to resign. They can't resign, so I'm not going to resign. There's no way. Uh, if the orders are illegal, we're in a different place. But if the orders are legal from civilian authority, I intend to carry them out. Thank you, Senator Cotton. Uh, Senator Hirono, please. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Let's move on to Josh Hawley. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Let me just sum up where I understand questioning the what's been a fairly extraordinary generals. Here's what I've learned so far. Number one, President of the United States lied to the American people about the advice that you gave to him. I don't. I don't think judgment that you provided that happened. I think you've all testified to that effect now repeatedly. Secondly, the State Department and maybe the White House appeared to have pushed back the evacuation to such a time that it became a catastrophe, apparently against your advice, although I'd like to learn more about that. And third, for some reason that we still don't quite understand, the Pentagon failed to plan for the potential collapse of the security forces or the collapse of the Afghan government, despite there being quite a lot of warning. Senator Kane referred to this earlier, quite a lot of warning for really, frankly, years that the Afghan security forces were ill-equipped, ill-trained, and frankly not up to the job. I don't understand any of that. I'd like to explore I feel like Josh Hawley could make a good Batman villain. Austin, I have to take issue with something you just said. I know this is an administration talking point. I've heard it out of the, the mouth of the press secretary and others. We are not leaving Americans behind. Tell me he couldn't just a play ago. like Harvey Dent. With all due respect. Becoming two-faced. Past tense. Americans behind. We have no presence any longer in Afghanistan. There were hundreds of Americans, and not just Americans generally, civilians you left behind against the president's explicit commitment not to leave until all American citizens. Well, he were he out is raising his safety. voice. He is getting is indignant. And now we have Oof. desperately, frantically trying to get out of this country, coming to me, coming to members of this committee, asking for help. They can't get that help. They're stuck behind enemy lines. So please don't tell me that we're not leaving Americans behind. No, that uh, is uh, that is Representative. Uh, it was a disgrace. Madison Cawthorn. Senator, thanks for your help in, in continuing to help get uh, American citizens and Afghans who have helped us out of the country. But as you've seen, we've continued to. Or you could also be thinking of Texas Governor Greg Abbott. Isn't it true that you left Americans behind on August the 31st? There are Americans. There were Americans that were still in uh, in Afghanistan and still yes. are. We continue Correct. to work to try to get those Americans out. Yeah, that that's a yes. Let's let's not. Yes, that's what he said. Frankly, false. So that we didn't leave Americans behind. Um, let me ask you this. 
Uh, General, uh, Secretary Austin, you said, you've alluded to several times the fact that the military was ready. You say this in your prepared remarks. By late April, you say military planners had crafted a number of evacuation scenarios. You refer later in your remarks to the fact that you were waiting for the State Department to make a decision about evacuations. NBC News is reporting this morning that the military wanted to... Fake news. State Department and the White House intervened and by May the 8th said, no, we're, we're delaying the evacuations of our civilians. Can you just help us get to the truth here? Was it your judgment and opinion that the evacuations of civilians should have begun before the middle of August? We provided our input to the State Department. And again, it is the call of the State Department to... to, to I, I understand that. I understand that, Mr. Secretary. I'm asking for what your, your judgment was, and I'm asking specifically about your testimony that in April you develop evacuation scenarios, and this is reported by multiple sources this morning in the news. So I just wonder, as of late April, was it, was it your opinion that the evacuations of civilians should begin, should have begun before, should begin earlier than they did? It, it, uh, we provided input to, uh, to try to get out as many uh, uh, Afghans who have helped us uh, along the way uh, as, you know, as early as possible. Uh, but again, the State Department uh, has, you know, made its decisions based upon the fact that even President Ghani had engaged them and said, "Hey, we, we're very concerned about, you know." The- Whatever happened to President Ghani? He went on the he did went on the run. I've not heard an update about him. Did you did you ever advise in the interagency process that the rapid withdrawal? Ex President Ghani. White House, the Pentagon signed off on General Miller proposed effectively getting us to zero by the middle of July, that that would negatively impact any effort to get out our civilians. In other words, if we drawn down to zero by July, if we then had a, a, a civilian evacuation ordered, we, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Did you ever, did you ever advise to that, uh, to that effect during the interagency process? Did you warn about that possibility of drawing down so quickly before a civilian evacuation was underway? We're wearing shorts tonight. The uh, that never happened. Yeah, it's more complicated than that. The, um, the but I am. drawdown of the forces under Miller, that is, those guys are advisors. They're not the NEO kind of guys. The NEO troops are Marine Expeditionary Unit, Special Purpose MAGTAF, and elements of the 82nd Airborne. Well, the Taliban had an agreement with the Trump administration. The secretary is referring to that were developed early on. And, and they actually stuck to it. And the State Department calls the time of the NEO. The uh, Secretary, in fact, on the 12th of August, uh, started pushing forward uh, forces and orders. And on the 14th, the ambassador, Ambassador Wilson, called the NEO. Should that have been called earlier? That, I think that's an open question that needs further exploration based on a series of meetings. But the April piece and the, the drawdown of the advisors, that's a separate and distinct task. And the retrograde of those forces, those 2,500 advisors weren't the guys bringing out the American citizens anyway. F you, Josh Hawley, indeed. There were concerns. Oh, Trump absolutely negotiated uh, with terrorists. Throughout the interagency. They released like 5,000 Taliban fighters. To stay. Uh, then uh, there's a possibility that, you know, the Afghan security forces would hang in there. We all knew that when we pulled the advisors out, when we pulled the money out, that at some point in the future, most said it was in the fall, that the Afghan security forces were going to fracture and the government would collapse. 
the speed at which that happens in August. Now, there there was a lot of talk about, like, we pulled out during fighting season anyway. Uh, they have a fighting season. The way we have, like, hurricane season and fire season here. They have a fighting season in Afghanistan that was, maybe we should have waited until the winter. Uh, and then all the military would be out, and it would be a diplomatic mission, and there would be money and over-the-horizon fund. None of that. Oh, no, that's over my pay grade, and I don't think Josh Hawley yeah. is qualified. As soon as those indicators came of fracture, Secretary Austin... Make those decisions either. ...executed and implemented... ...or criticize those decisions. ...there was contingencies that were built. There was we shouldn't have been there in the first place. ...collapse, and that was the NEO plan that uh, General McKenzie had come up with, and that's what was executed. That's why those 6,000 troops could deploy as rapidly as they did. That's why all those aircraft showed up. That wasn't done without planning. That was done with planning. And that was done at a, from an operational and tactical standpoint. That was a success. Strategically, strategically, the war is lost. The enemy's in Kabul. So that you have a strategic failure while you simultaneously have an operational and, strategic, and, operational and tactical success by the soldiers on the ground. So I think we're conflating some things that we need to separate in this after-action review process so that we clearly understand what exactly happened. And I'm sorry for taking all that time, but I thought it was necessary. Thank there you. There you go. Uh, Senator Kelly, please. Thank you, Mr. I think the general did a good job of responding to Holly. Let's see if he holds his own talking to Marsha Blackburn. Thank you, Senator Duckworth. Now let me recognize Senator Blackburn. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I think we're going to get into the China call on this one. With us today. As you've heard from all of us, the American people, Tennesseans, are wanting some answers. They deserve to hear your testimony. And I think it is unacceptable that this is the first time that I'm hearing from you in any forum, despite attempts at outreach by both me and my staff, this woman, having having gone to college in Tennessee, allow me to tell you about Senator Marsha Blyburn. She was a personal image consultant in Tennessee. I assume in the Nashville area, you could hire her to, like, contract out your makeup people and shit. Like, I don't even think she did makeup or hair or anything. She just, uh, she would just recommend where you get your hair done your makeup and your nails and shit. That, that's what Marsha Blackburn did before becoming a senator from Tennessee. Save a few short all-senator phone calls that we have had. And I want to emphasize, all of us here, every one of us, answer to the American people. And they deserve transparency and information regarding this administration's botched and disgraceful withdrawal. Tennesseans are really angry. And as you know, General Milley, Tennessee is home to the 101st Airborne, one of the most deployed divisions in the U.S. military. We're also home to the Specialized 160th SOAR, who were among the last on the ground extracting U.S. citizens from danger in Kabul. Tennessee National Guard units have deployed to Afghanistan at a high operational tempo, as well as providing vital logistical services such as refueling. We are home to more than 400,000 veterans, many of whom have lasting physical and psychological wounds from the time they have spent in service. And in a bullshit war. 
broken over the loss of one of our own staff sergeant, Ryan Knauss, a patriotic American who represented the best of all of us in the August. That you were using as a disgusting weapon in a political fight. He made the ultimate sacrifice. So, how did we get here, and how did we get to what has been a complete letdown? to most Tennesseans. And I've got a few questions. These are yes or no questions. So quick answers are appreciated. Um, General Milley, were there options given for keeping American troops in Afghanistan rather than the unconditional chaotic withdrawal? Yes. You presented options, and those options were declined. There were options presented and debated. Yes or no. The decision was made. Yes or yes or no is fine. Did you at any point create options for keeping Bagram open beyond July 2nd? Yes. Did you provide options for keeping Bagram open directly to the president? Yes. Had Bagram stayed open, would our support to the Afghan Air Force have been more effective in your view? I'm sorry, I didn't catch the last part. If Bagram had stayed open, would our support to the Afghan Air Force have been more effective, in your view? Yes or no? Uh, frankly, I'm not sure on that one, because most of the Afghan Air Force was a different basis, specifically at HKIA. President Biden keeps calling it an extraordinary, uh, extraordinary success. We've discussed He's not the only today. one. Is leaving Americans behind an extraordinary success, in your view? Secretary Austin. That, that is called a loaded question. We're not leaving uh, Americans yes behind. Yes or no is fine. That's not a yes is or no question. That is a loaded question. That is fallacious as fuck. Evacuation of the president's own making an extraordinary success. Uh, the loss of any civilian life is, is, is always tragic. Is the in fact my... that we failed to evacuate most of our Afghan partners an extraordinary success, or the fact that we have Afghans bringing... Or the fact that we uh, killed aid worker and children an extraordinary success. and a drone strike and called them terrorists? To, work, uh, ...to get our American citizens out and the Afghans per, who helped us Let me out. move on. Per Article 2 of the Constitution, the President may require the opinion in writing of the principal officer in each of the... I thought we were going to get into the, the Herald book. Or request written recommendations related to the withdrawal of the Afghan. I'm amazed they went this hard over Afghanistan and not. Than General McKenzie, yes or no? We provide the accusations in the book as a part of a a a policy process that uh, that was uh, very well and and deliberately run. We will note that you didn't completely answer that, General Milley. Any written form? Yes. Would you make those available to us? Make it available to the committee upon request in accordance with appropriate classifications. We will We will do so. General McKenzie, yes, yes or no? And you will make those available? Based on guidance from the Secretary. Each of you had committed to make those available when you went through your confirmation processes. We'll come back to you for those. General Milley, um, yes or no to this? Did you talk to Bob Woodard or Robert Costa for their book, Peril? Oh, here we go. Costa, no. Did you talk to Carol Leonic and Philip Rucker for their book, Alone, Can I Fix It? Yes. Did you talk to Michael Bender for his book? Book is, frankly, we did win this election, the inside story of how Trump lost. 
Yes. yes. <laughs> Are you accurately represented in these books? I haven't read any of the books. <laughs> I've seen press know. reporting of it. I, okay. I haven't read the book. Uh, let's have you read the books and then let us know if you are accurately presented Absolutely. and portrayed. Happy to do that. And, Senator Blackburn, we're, we're adhering to the five. She's assigning homework. Assigning homework to the top military advisor in the government. Jesus Christ. Florida is suing the Biden administration over catch-and-release policy alleging violation of federal law. Reading from Fox News here, the state of Florida is suing the Biden administration over its illegal, quote-unquote, nice reporting, Fox, catch-and-release policies at the southern border, saying they cause harm to the state's quasi-sovereign interests while claiming officials are either in violation of federal immigration law or simply abusing their authority. Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody filed the suit against the administration on Tuesday as part of a joint effort with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis to uphold the rule of law despite the Biden administration's decision to violate the law. We are still in the early stages of the gubernatorial race taking shape for next year in Florida, which is why you are seeing Ron DeSantis ramp up the crazy acts to appeal to the nut job part of the Republican Party. Suit was filed in the Pensacola Division of the Northern District of Florida. Moody is not seeking a preliminary injunction. The defendants in the suit or the Department of Homeland Security, its component agencies like Immigration and Customs Enforcement, we should abolish ICE, as well as Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, top officials from ICE, Customs and Border Protection, and the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration and Services. The Attorney General is also suing the United States itself. Now, according to Diamond and Silk, the bastions of good journalism. <laughs> oh my God, they have multiple Mike Lindell, my pillow ads. Border agents are responding with a vengeance after hearing about what Vice President Kamala Harris, they just called her Kamala. They're on a first-name basis with the vice president. What the vice president said about border agents, let's uh, scroll down and actually hear what she said. What I saw depicted about um, those individuals on horseback treating human beings the way they were is horrible. And um, I fully support what is happening right now, which is a thorough investigation into exactly what is going on there. Um, but human beings should never be treated that way. And I'm deeply troubled about it. The whole point is that we have I agree. Haiti. I mean, talk about a country that has just experienced so much uh, tragedy that has been about natural disasters. And we really have to do a lot more to recognize that as a member of the Western Hemisphere, we've got to support some very basic needs that the people of Haiti have to get back up. Not just the the people of Haiti.
Okay, so this Brandon Darby dude tweeted out, let me help you be more accurate. First photo appears to show Border Patrol using whip-like cord on migrants. Second photo of same event shows it's just the horse reins slinging around and the agent is not whipping the migrant. No, they're just grabbing them by the shirt. It does look in the video as if they snapped the reins at migrants. They're saying that they did it to keep them back from the horses. I'm just as appalled by the grabbing of somebody. Look at the terror on his face as he's being grabbed by this man on horseback. They are terrorizing migrants. I don't like it one bit. Border Patrol agents are speaking up and they are not happy after Vice President Kamala Harris, uh, along with others, appear to have been misled by a misrepresentation in the media of Border Patrol agents using whips on people to aid in their apprehension. According to the Western Journal, a Border Patrol agent who chose to keep their identity a secret reportedly described the leaders in Washington that speak out before discovering the truth as idiots. I agree, animals shouldn't be used to terrorize people. These poor horses are the most innocent people in all of this. The people. Most innocent beings in all of this. Reuters posted an image to Twitter and described a secured horse rein, a common instrument for horseback riders, as a whip-like cord. They were indeed whipping it around, which could easily mislead people into believing that it was being used on people, not reserved for controlling the horse in difficult terrain. I'm, I'm not for you whipping a horse either. None of this is acceptable behavior. Now, migrants are going to be a much more common problem going forward as a result of goddamn climate change. And one young Miss Greta Thunberg had something to say about it. I don't even... Where the fuck was she? Apparently she was in Milan, Italy for some sort of Youth for Climate summit. Here are her comments. There is no planet B. There is no planet blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. This is not about some expensive, politically correct, green act of bunny-hugging or blah, blah, blah. Build back better. Blah, blah, blah. Green economy. Blah, blah, blah. I think she's talking about you, Joe Biden. Blah, blah, blah. Net zero. Blah, blah, blah. Climate neutral. Blah, blah, blah. This is all we hear from our so-called leaders. Words. Words that sound great, but so far has led to no action. Our hopes and dreams drown in their empty words and promises. Of course, we need constructive dialogue, but they've now had 30 years of blah, 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 and where has that led us? What do we want? When do we want it? Now! 
What do we want? When do we want it? Now. Kids are all right. But unfortunately, she's right. Like, fucking Biden isn't going to do anything because even if we meet the most ambitious goals set forward by the Biden administration, it's still not enough. The inside story of how Berlin took on corporate landlords and won. City of Renters has spoken decisively in a referendum that could have a huge impact, not just in Germany's capital, but across Europe. So when Killen Wesser, Weiser, moved to Berlin in July of 2020, he immediately fell in love with his local area. Located in the north of the city, Gessenbrunnen. It has strong community feel, not to mention local bars on every street. It feels very unique, Wesser, 32 years old, said. There was one more thing that Wesser loved about his home. He had moved in while the Mettendeckel, <laughs> Berlin's citywide rent cap, was in effect, meaning he was paying just 420 euros. Rips. 420 euros a month for his apartment, which he shared with a friend. I don't know. I, did I fuck up which one of those was the euros? Was it 360 euros? Somebody somebody from Europe chime in and let me know. I think that one's the euro. 420. Nice. But in April, the cap was overturned following a court ruling. On the basis, it conflicted with German constitutional law, causing Wesser's rent to jump by around 280 euros. But for Wesser, it was just the beginning of his struggle. Like many Berlin residents, he lived in an apartment block owned by a corporate landlord. Hamsteden, which owns around another 6,000 flats in the city. Disputing his rent, Wesser argued that due to another housing law that caps certain rents depending on the area, 720 euros was way too high. Hamsteden disagreed, but did offer a slightly lower rent. Wesser rejected the offer, demanding that the rent return to 420, which he believed was legal. But without the means to take the landlord to court, Wesser continues to pay the high increased rent, along with hundreds of thousands of other people in Berlin. But this weekend, residents in Berlin felt enough was enough. Months after the rent cap was overturned, locals voted in favor of local authorities taking control of the flats from mega landlords in a city that has seen rents rise by a third since 2015. Final results saw a 56.4% vote in favor of socializing property. Although the referendum is non-binding, campaigners say they have a mandate to now put 240,000 flats back into public ownership in a decision that could have huge ramifications for housing and rent controls in other European cities. Hell yeah. 
That was a piece in Vice. If you'd like to read the rest of it, the inside story of how Berlin took on corporate landlords. I mean, here in the U.S., we don't have our shit together. We have people dying from eating horse paste. And it's this story right here where I'm going to have to go and take the video down from YouTube after I get off the air. Seriously. Talking about the ivermectin. We'll get a strike on my YouTube channel, so I'm going to have to go and take it down. New Mexico reports two deaths from ivermectin. Mexico has linked two deaths in the state to misuse of ivermectin, a medicine typically used for parasitic infections in animals that has repeatedly been used by people as an anti-COVID-19 medication. Mexico reported the two deaths on Wednesday, according to the state health department. They were among the 14 patients in the state hospitalized after being poisoned by the use of ivermectin, which has been promoted by both podcast host Joe Rogan and Alex Jones, the conspiracy theorist. While the FDA has approved the use of ivermectin in in specified doses for humans suffering from intestinal parasites such as worms, it isn't intended or used to treat viruses. They have seen some success in petri dishes in labs using it as an antiviral, but in clinical trials in humans, it resulted in a higher mortality rate, but apparently helped with insomnia. I'm telling you what I read in the actual fucking studies that I looked up on Google Scholar. Well, the FDA has approved the... Oh, I already read that. David Scrares, the acting head of the state health department, said the two patients who died were ages 38 and 79 years old. They had both contracted the coronavirus and attempted to treat it themselves with ivermectin. In one patient, the use of the drug led to kidney failure. All right, so this one is not good news. Go ahead and buckle in. 53 cases of the highly mutated R1 COVID variant have been detected in California. We got a local news hit on this. Let's uh, let's hear from uh, the pros. Variant has been sequenced in California called the R1 variant. Now, this new strain has similar characteristics to earlier strains. ABC 7 News reporter Luz Pena is speaking today to a number of Bay Area scientists who are sequencing and researching these variants. She's in the newsroom. Luz. Dan, the R1 variant is officially in California. There are over 50 cases in our state. Scientists confirmed the vaccines are still effective against this variant, but the concern is that the virus continues to adapt and evolve. The R1 variant is a new strain of COVID-19 researchers are keeping a close eye on. The CDC identifying multiple spike protein mutations in this variant. The R1 variant does carry some mutations that allow I just I don't like this if we're like uh, vaccinated people and unvaccinated people Dr. handing Jonah it back Reese and forth president of Chan Zuckerberg Biohub his team is actively sequencing covid-19 variants how would you compare the delta variant to the r1 variant what's the difference the delta variant has quite a few more additional mutations in the spike protein that allows it to spread faster The R1 variant has mutations that were found both in the beta and in the gamma variants. While it does have some of those worrying mutations, 
it doesn't have any more mutations than what we've seen before. According to the CDC, the first cases of the R1 variant in the U.S. were detected at a nursing facility in Kentucky, where both vaccinated and unvaccinated residents were infected, meaning this variant has uh. the ability to evade the antibodies produced by the vaccine. The virus is evolving to infect better human cells and um, to transmit better in the human population. So far, 2,282 cases of the R1 variant have been detected in the U.S. since March. The latest data aggregated by scientists worldwide on the Outbreak.info database points to 53 cases in California. Dr. Soliani Alvarez, principal investigator for UCSF's Quantitative uh... Institute, says they are waiting on more data to fully understand the power of this new variant. What we have to monitor and check is how well these adaptations are happening. And as it stands now, the Delta variant is the main variant of concern. It has mutated more than, listen to this, 20 times, and it continues to be the dominant variant across the U.S. But now the R1 variant proves that mutations will continue to take place. The most effective way to stop these mutations from happening is to get vaccinated. In the news. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Well, I've got this basketball player here. Apparently, he is going to dismantle your leftist fucking logic about vaccines. That's right. We had to go to Rumble for this shit. Also, a reason why I'm going to have to take this down from YouTube. Jonathan, Josh Robbins with The Athletic. Uh, what is it about the vaccine that, that makes you... Who, who, who is this, anyway? I don't even know. It's a player for the Orlando Magic, it seems. Uh, hesitant to, to, to get it. Uh, I, I would start with um, I've, I've had COVID um, in the past. And so our, our understanding of antibodies, of natural immunity has uh, uh, changed a, a great deal from the onset of the pandemic. You're, you're going to get it again, dude. Um, I understand that the vaccine would uh, um help if, if, if you catch COVID and uh, you'll be able to have less symptoms um, from contracting it. But with me having COVID in the past and you're going to get it again, um, dude, um, with my current um, age group and uh, uh, fitness, physical fitness level, you're um, going to get it again, dude, mine, uh, taking the vaccine. Um, like I said, it would decrease my chances of uh, uh, having a severe reaction, but it does open me up to the albeit rare chance, but the possibility of having an adverse reaction to the vaccine itself. Um, I don't believe that being... Almost certainly not going to happen, dude. ...or being vaccinated means um, uninfected. You can still catch COVID um, with or with not having the vaccine. Um, I would say, honestly, the, the, the craziness of it all in terms of not being able to say that it should be everybody's fair choice without being demeaned or... Um, talked crazy to doesn't you, you uh, are crazy dude comfortable to do what said person is uh telling them to do um you're going to catch it again in your line of work I'm hesitant at this time but at the end of the day uh, i don't feel that it is um you know anyone's reason to come out and say well this is why or this is not why it should just be their decision and um you know loving your neighbors not just loving those that that agree with you or look like you or uh, moving the same way that you do, it's it's uh, uh, you know loving those who don't. What the loving? 
you get vaccinated because you love people who don't agree with you. You asshole. Now, while we're on the topic of sports, I fell asleep and was in and out of consciousness during the Extreme Rules pay-per-view the other night. And I, I had my eyes closed but heard that Roman Reigns went into the crowd. I was like, oh God, Roman shouldn't do... I'm like half asleep. Like, Roman, please don't fucking go into the crowd. You had leukemia. Motherfucker put a mask on before he went and beat Finn Balor's ass out in the crowd. <laughs> Way to set an example, dude. That that is that is why you acknowledge the tribal chief. I found I found that out like the next day. A North Carolina health company has apparently fired 175 employees for not getting the vaccine. Novent officials said last week that around 375 workers were suspended for defying the new policy. On Monday, spokesperson Megan Rivers said in an email that nearly 200 additional workers came into compliance and confirmed that the others who failed to do so were fired, but did not give exact numbers. So around 175 employees were fired from the North Carolina-based Novent Health. Officials said the terminated workers had the opportunity to comply over a five-day unpaid suspension period. Novit Health and Atrium Health announced in July that the health systems would require all workers to get the vaccine. You are a healthcare worker who didn't get vaccinated. I think you should absolutely get your ass fired. You show poor judgment. Now, Governor Meemaw in Alabama has now responded to Jerry Nadler, actually, Chairman Nadler, called for Alabama not to spend any of the COVID-allocated money on prisons because as of right now, I think the the state's plan is to spend $400 million of COVID relief money on prisons in the state of Alabama. Governor responds to call for feds not to allow COVID aid for new prisons. Governor Meemaw, K. Ivy, this is this is a picture of Governor Meemaw here. I I just I need you guys to take this in. And she's also she is a almost certain lesbian who honestly moved her live-in girlfriend out of her house. She now has a AIDS position in the governor's office, lives down the road from Governor Meemaw. This woman could be a feminist icon, but instead she's a Republican fucking blowhard. And she she only got to be the governor of the state because she was the 
lieutenant governor under Governor Skeletor, who who resigned in disgrace over a sex scandal. Governor Kay Ivey and Alabama Senate President Pro Temp Greg Reed responded Tuesday to a letter sent by U.S. House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen on Monday asking the federal government not to let Alabama use $200 million, I'm sorry, I overshot it, $200 million in federal COVID aid toward prison construction. Maybe it's, maybe it's the prison's cost $400 million altogether. I got confused. Directing funding meant to protect our citizens from a pandemic to fuel mass incarceration is, it's a very Alabama thing to do. Those are my words, not not Nadler's. Back to Nadler's quote. In direct contravention of the intended purposes of the ARP legislation and will particularly harm communities of color who are already disproportionately impacted by over-incarceration and this public health crisis. Nadler wrote in a letter to Treasury Department Secretary Janet Yellen on Monday, the ARP is a historic effort to provide urgent assistance in a time of great suffering. It should not be used to worsen our national problem of over-incarceration. I totally agree with you, Chairman Nadler. Ivy, in a statement, said the federal government's own law would allow the state to use the funds towards new prisons. The Democrat-controlled federal government... The Democrat-controlled federal government's never had an issue with throwing trillions of dollars toward their ideological pet projects. Their political agenda. Oh fuck! Here's here's a smoky. I I can't see to hit your button, buddy. There we go. Come on, smokes. Come back here. Say hey. Oh, he said fuck y'all. He didn't want to. He didn't want to say hey. You got cat ass for a second. A fleeting, brief moment. Democrat-controlled federal government has never had an issue with throwing trillions of dollars toward the ideological pet projects. Their political agenda is glaringly obvious. Send a letter to the U.S. Treasury on the first day of our special session asking the federal government to ignore the laws they themselves wrote and to overstep our Alabama-driven plan, Governor Meemaw said. Oh, I don't think I can go on. (laughs) Roseanne was on with Candace Owens to talk about the Me Too movement. Which apparently PragerU put out this Candace Owens show episode. This is bound to be entertaining. It's a 10-minute video. About the Me Too movement. They were Ooh. talking about that. And I, oh, I shouldn't go there. Oh, you should go there. Do you, know, do you know how much trouble I got in for it? You can't be in worse trouble than me for talking about Me Too. Don't worry. First of all, let me tell you, Mike Tyson, who's hilarious and a friend for a long time, he calls it the U2 movement. What, the U2 movement, meaning? U2. Like, they're going to get you, too. Yeah. 
Mike, Mike Tyson does not have room to talk. Who said it first. Like I went against the Me Too movement early, like right when it came out of the gates. So I got roundly condemned by both sides. And I was like, guys, if you don't see the writing on the wall with this, yeah. it's going to become a mechanism for people witch to... Hunt. Yeah, witch hunt. It's going to be a mechanism for... Um, the Christine Blasey Ford type suit yeah, to, to exactly. ascertain power. I mean, and then I'll, I'll uh, she had a legitimate claim. Right. Nothing happened to her either. No, she should be in prison. She should be in prison. How did she? She's not required to file a police report or anything. She no. she collected millions of dollars. White woman privilege. What really collected crazy. millions of dollars? If you just want to give white women the right to say something happened and you have to believe them with no evidence, no proof, and they get a million dollars, then let's talk about the civil rights era because that's when black people were hung for tre- hung from trees because that's of that. right. Right, that's when Carolyn that's right. Bryant said about Emmett Till. That's right. He, what? He said something to me in a grocery with no evidence, no proof. You know what happened to Emmett Till? Right. And I, it's jarring to you that people I don't see that. that. I was the I was one of the first piece persons on Twitter to make that assessment. Oh, really? Yeah. But I was. Need you go back in our tweets. I want you. I want you. <laughs> but that was the first thing that went in my head. I'm like, hello. Do yeah. you know your own history? You no, really want to? You you really want to just give them like Mm-mm. unfettered permission to to say something happened? and You're going to believe them? And the the somebody asked me. It was a Washington. What? Working on a really big hit piece on me at the moment. Um, you know, uh, the Washington so, Post is. Yeah, they they do these profile pieces on me, and like I give these interviews now because I don't care. I'm kind of in like post journalist world. Like no matter what you say, people know that you lie. Um, and maybe it comes out good. Who knows? But she asked me. By the way, like, she's in some sort of feud with that woman who ran for Congress, Kim Klasik, in Baltimore, I think it was, and, and, like, Candace Owens has accused her of being a stripper or some shit and embezzling money from the campaign, and she's been hit with a defamation lawsuit, I do believe, or they've threatened a defamation lawsuit on her. So that is going to be interesting to watch play out. Me at one point, are do you think that white supremacy exists? And I said the closest thing I've ever seen to it in my life is the fem- the radicalized feminist movement. Uh, I can agree. What? <laughs> the, radical, like, the closest thing to white supremacy that I've seen in my lifetime mm-hmm. has been this radicalized Lena Dunham types going. They just took a fucking down. statue to Robert E. Yeah. Lee down. This scandal with Lena Dunham. Like, we we had uh, men marching through the streets. I mean, I, I've been chanting, "Jews the, will not replace us." In the back of a courtroom, crying, "Just believe her." The believe women thing has has been building up, and I've been like, "This is getting crazy." It is crazy, and women have to be the one to take it down. It's yeah, like up it, to us to say yeah, something about well, it. Well, I said it yesterday. I'll tell you what I said. Uh, she says something to me about, well, you know, they, they were there in the room because they thought... They is is, uh, is Ambien Vaughn racist well, tweet really the... Have you, have you lived? Have you seen? like the ...person to, to actually yeah, take down anything? And go, excuse me? Other than tweets that make her ashamed and lose her millions me, of dollars? But you stayed around because you're like, well, I thought maybe he was going to give me a writing job. Well, you ain't nothing but a hall. Right. That's what, but I said that when, when like, the Louis C.K. It might have been the Louis C.K. thing. That's or who another I'm scandal talking about. That too. happened. And I was reading the article, and they, we were in his hotel room at 3 a.m. in the morning. My first question, yeah. what the hell Why? were you doing in his hotel room? What, yeah. what happens at 3 a.m. in the morning in a man's hotel room? Business meetings? You, yeah. Uh, he was just going to give me career advice, you know? Uh, and, maybe. And, and, Maybe with a comedian who tends to be, you know, a night owl after a show when you've gotten out from a show and it's fucking late at night, just because you're in a man's hotel room does not give him the right to whip out his willy. 
That is that is not a thing. Not pretending that that some of these people. They're aren't pretending that they didn't go to trade sexual favors for money. And by the way, this didn't just happen in Hollywood. This happens in in life. Okay, no matter what I say, I tried to trade sexual favors. For, <laughs> uh, and nobody wanted you because you're Roseanne. And I'm like, you know. Come on, this is so unfair. <laughs> so you had to work. I had to completely make unfair. it on talent and good looks alone. <laughs> it's completely unfair. By the it way. is. Yeah, but it's true, and nobody wants to Look talk about Kamala it. Look at Kamala Harris, who I call Kama Sutra okay. Harris. She, excuse me. You're, you're. She, you know what she? We all know what she did. I did a, I did a periscope this morning. I was like, she slept her way to the top, yeah. and if we're all going to pretend she didn't, she do slept that. her way to the bottom. Right. But, <laughs> we're all going to pretend she didn't do it. Okay. Have yeah. a happy 2020 ele- election cycle. There you know? was a time as a feminist when I was, you know, way what back. the fuck with what evidence? I was like, no, we don't do that. We have respect for ourselves, and we stick together. But that all went to hell too. Well, I think feminism ultimately needs to be about truth telling. I'm not in, I'm not it into sure garnering does. power against men. That's not feminism. Stop no, calling it feminism. Not. That's some radicalized women's white that's women's right. movement, as I say. I call it, it called the white, white women's, women's march. Movement. That's what I say too. Now I have two sons, so this is my, you know, of, uh, you know, one's twenty three, one's forty, and I got uh, five grandsons, so. I have a different view on how women are than a lot of these other types, you know. Right. What does that I know mean? a hole when I see one. And <laughs> I'm telling you, they come from my boys because my boys, you know, I'm their mom and they're, you know, we have a little bit of money. So I got a, a eagle eye for this thing. And I know because I got, and they need to be called out. Right. They really, really do. Right. And that's privilege, too. Whole privilege. There, there, there really is. And that's what it is when... Whole privilege. ...years later and yeah. say that they were in some mantle home at 3 a.m. and he made a sexual advance. And nobody asks the question, hey, what were you doing at 3 a.m.? I've never had a boss say to me, hey, Candace, could you stop by at 3 a.m. and then work my hotel room? And I would... Not You're not a stand-up fucking comedian. You go like this. Um, You're on a different schedule than other people. Men are attracted to women. Then they made a pass at me in their hotel room at 3 a.m. That, that women are pissed because it doesn't matter why you are in somebody's room at 3 a.m. My career actually never did take off, so I'm going to hop on this band. Even like Louis C.K. himself, he has a fucking episode of his show where like he he's working at like the Mohegan Sun or some some fucking casino like that, and he's in like the small theater and uh, um. Fucking what's her, oh my god what's her name? Joan Rivers is in the is in the big auditorium, and he goes over and like uh, he ends up going back to Joan's apartment or fucking uh, uh, suite after the show to talk fucking shop and shit because they're comedians. He does end up fucking her, but you know that's that's more for comedic effect because it's it's. Louis C.K. show. Bandwagon and say that, you Spoiler know, alert. what happened to me. And it actually... Rest in peace, Joan. What we're talking about right here is actually real feminism. is because what we're protecting are real victims. The Absolutely. real victims. Because there are women who actually get raped. There are men that are yes. actually predators. And they are and no longer... There are, there are men who get raped, too. And there are men who get raped. And that's what, that's what broke me off from... Most, most of the men who get raped get raped by other men, by the way. And they, they, they like to leave that off. Pro 
Even even when the victim is male, the perpetrator is almost always male as well. Over the years for that, in every way possible that I could, and um, just saying, telling me like, oh no, we're not going to say two things you can't say, Roseanne, that there are boy victims and that women are predators. That's what they told me. Wow. I'm like, well, then count me out, man. Count me out because it's not true. Hello, there's such a thing called truth. It is. and There are absolutely women predators. Go read a book about Roseanne's time as executive producer of Roseanne during the 90s. If you want an example of a woman who can be abusive and a predator... to pretend that women are like we're all these victims walking around and we have no idea what we're doing and we just were there at 3 a.m. in the hotel room i can't stand it it's so dishonest it's and so dishonest. and the it's disempowering of women and it makes our and and i i think the rumor is that it was garfunkel and oats though i'm 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 not for sure on that i've just i've just heard that that that's who was at the room at 3 a.m. That apparently Louie did this a lot with women comedians and like most of them were into it or at least like found it funny that Louie was over in the corner masturbating in front of them. But like he did it with, with apparently it was a comedy duo and I've heard that it was Garfunkel and Oates and that, that <laughs> they were horrified by, by the fact that Louie was in the corner masturbating with them in the room. Apparently, like, Sarah Silverman likes to watch him masturbate or some shit. But that's that's different. Like, if you get consent and they're into it and your friend wants to watch you masturbate, more power to you. But you don't just, like, especially, like, an up-and-coming comedy act that doesn't have as much stroke. No, no pun intended there. As much stroke in the business. You don't just fucking... I I honestly don't know who that is, Commander Cody. I will look them up though. But yeah, fuck Louie for doing that, and I say that as a Louie fan. And like I, I only watched like half of his his newest special. I do have it because like I'm a Louie fan. I've seen Louie live. Just like they want us to be those veals. I think he gets to come back, but like he deserved what he got to a tiny microcosm of the world. And the world is ours. Right. I know. If I could pick every single day, which on the left, you can't just pick your gender every day. But if I I would choose every single day to be a woman. Okay. I mean, like, I do not want to be a man. The men are out there fighting the wars. You're not just picking your gender every day. It's that. Male and female are labels that humans came up with to describe nature, and nature just doesn't fit into a box. I thought I thought the right was about freedom and personal choice and shit. What the what the hell is this? You you want to make everybody conform to your worldview? Off of roofs and, and dying, and uh, nobody. Let me. There's like a, a meme on the internet that says nobody calls a feminist when there's an emergency. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's true, you know. Yeah. 
um, and and see. Well, what's the emergency? Do we need to burn a bra? Is that the emergency? I'll call a feminist. I do too. I need a shirt that just says "I love masculinity." It's great. I, I love men. I, I I got a bunch of them in my family, you know that I I gave birth to, <laughs> on top of being with. But um, no, I love men who love women. Right. Right. A lot of men don't. A lot of women don't like women either. There's some truth. Right. There, and there is some truth. But unfortunately, when you... when you are There are men I don't like. There are women I don't like. There are women I really like. And there are men I really like. I don't... I don't... opposite of femininity. And I like being feminine. And men should like being masculine. masculine and it's symbiotic. And it's beautiful. And it's now being... Men should like being as, as effeminate as they want to. They are, exactly, they are the women that don't like women. <laughs> they're, they're sitting here being catty about other women. Describing themselves. Corrupted yeah. by this whole myth of like the white privileged male predator um, who's masculine. Right? I mean, it's, a, it's a horrible time to be a white male right now, by the way, Bob. I'm not I don't think so. That's why it's again his own show. It's about you don't speak for me, Candace. It's time for the truth you're telling. Well, I think, and, and I think one of the first. Uh, I think I am still, as a white male, I think I am still uniquely positioned to do well. Reporting their rapes because they don't. When I was in school, I learned what rape actually was. Like this is before the tide of radical feminism, and it was like here's you can be date raped, and then you don't remember things, and you're dragged, you're in an alley, and. Rape was a very serious word. Now it's like, I got drunk last night and I slept with someone and I kind of regret it. So I'm going to go to the police and they're being taught. I, I don't, I don't. No, no, that's regret. I think that's true. I think that's a, a weird generalization, a straw man. I thought it would be a good time to play the video about the, you know, the women dishing on the Me Too movement before we... Fuck! God damn it. Before I pull up the wrong story. I was going to talk about fucking R. Kelly, who was popped right around the time of the Me Too movement. We got a video on it? Yeah, we'll watch the CNN video. I didn't know if this is how adults acted. Like, I I just didn't know. Content warning. He has this type of, like, intimidation right off the bat. I was just waiting for it to be over. I've always had the willies about R. Kelly. Within himself, knowing that he's taking control over other people. Good riddance, motherfucker. I would go without eating. Apparently, he abused uh, boys days. and girls. Um, also, being slapped and beaten, kicked. 
I was introduced to one of the girls um, that he told me he trained. And since she was 14, those were his words. The disgusting piece of shit. advantage of minors will not be tolerated. Now apparently he was also the victim of abuse. I was a little... does not excuse his behavior. I never really recovered from it. The six-part series. The the R. Kelly story is fascinating. Like, former tour manager, numerous women who all claim that you abused them. It was worse than the Epstein thing. Not telling the truth about you, every like he kept these these girls imprisoned. Documentary, which I'm sure you have. I have everybody. And they were like sex slaves in a in a cult. Nobody said nothing good. Mm-hmm. They was describing Lucifer. I'm not Lucifer. The fuck you aren't. No, fucking Lucifer is a fictitious character that never existed. And you are all too real. Fuck. The world is worse off because of it. I don't care how catchy your songs were. And it's it's really weird that they're all about sex. Like, every single R. Kelly song is about, like, freaky-deaky sex. And it just makes all of them that more disgusting. And I'm guilty. I fucking was a mobile DJ through the early and mid 2000s. Believe me, I've played my share of R. Kelly songs. He's always giving me the willies, but like, ugh. I don't know that I could ever, like, if, an, if Ignition came on, the remix, not the slow ass regular version, I would, I would have to change that shit. I couldn't listen to that. Speaking of abusive behavior, update in the Brian Laundry story. Dog the Bounty Hunter is all over this case. I keep seeing him pop up. He must have some sort of deal with Fox. Ex-reality television star and bounty hunter Dwayne Dog Chapman says he's received a very good lead and has decided to look for Brian Laundrie himself. I've seen people on the Facebook actually defending this motherfucker and saying like, well, what if he actually, what if he actually finds him? I promise you, Dog the Bounty Hunter is not going to find Brian Laundrie. You can run, but the dog will get you. And his latest target is apparently Brian Laundrie, the person of interest in the homicide of his fiancée, 22-year-old Gabby Petito. The ex-reality television star, bounty hunter, Dwayne Chapman, got involved in the search for Laundrie after receiving a very good lead that the 23-year-old was in the area of Fort DeSoto Park in Florida. 
He told Fox News on Monday, Petito and Laundry were documenting a cross-country van trip on Instagram when Laundry returned alone on September 1st to his family's Florida home where the couple lived. He refused to cooperate with police about Petito's whereabouts. Dog, whose most prominent show documenting his business as a bounty hunter, ran for eight seasons before it was canceled in 2012, went to Fort DeSoto Park about 20 minutes south of St. Petersburg and 75 miles away from Laundry's family home. I, uh... Apparently, the Laundry family called the cops on dog when he showed up at their house. This is such... I, I'm only doing this story as an indulgence because this is such a late-stage capitalism bullshit fucking story that's going to captivate the nation. This is inevitably what our news media has devolved into. It makes perfect sense. You see dog knocking on the door. <laughs> oh, fuck. This was his press conference yesterday. We had a very good lead come up today that he was down here in this park, not very far away. We checked our lead out. It is confirmed. The parents were down here two times. It was September 1st through the 3rd and September 6th through the 8th. Confirmed. To stay at this park. They were registered, went through the gate. They're on camera. Seriously, he looks like the guy who would be directing porn. For like a, a trailer park swingers site on Pornhub. I never DJ'd a bat, mitz, a bat mitzvah because, like, uh, there's never around any Jewish people in Appalachia. But yeah, I did a lot of weddings, dances, parties. What up, Stark Raving? Oh, hi. You missed all the hard news. No, no, we still, we've still got some like actual hard stories. He looks like the guy who would be directing porn for like a fucking. Trailer Park Swingers website. I know this because, like, I've I've watched those kinds of porns on Pornhub. But anyway, anyway. Fucking dog, the bounty hunter. This is all... It's, it's such a great example of what the media has devolved into in late-stage capitalism. That's why I'm infinitely amused by this story. They were here, and they did enter. They did come here. Allegedly, what we're hearing is two people left on the... Allegedly! Three people came in on the 6th, and two people left on the 8th. I think he's been here for sure. So, there's a lot of little islands around the area where we're at that he could get to on a canoe. We talked to the... Holy canoe to an island now. Could be out here. That he was here. For sure. Not over in the swamp. Oh my god. (laughs) 
Laundry's family denied aiding their son's disappearance and have said they don't know where he is. So, Bartolino later confirmed in a statement to WFLA that the family had gone to the park on September 6th and 7th, but that all three members, including Laundry, left together. Yeah, that's their attorney, the Bartolino. Amid speculation that Laundry's parents could be charged with contempt or obstruction of justice, protesters have been at their home for days. After they returned home from a shopping trip on Monday, a woman yelled it through a, bull, a bullhorn, You guys are murderers. What were you thinking helping your son? Chapman's involvement is just the latest evidence of how much attention Petito's disappearance and death have received. A disproportionate amount in contrast with similar cases, internet sleuths on TikTok have even been investigating. But Dog has faced scandals of his own in 2007 in the middle of his first show's run. Dog was recorded repeatedly using the N-word during a phone conversation with his son about his son's relationship with a black woman. Referencing the incident earlier this month, Dog told Fox News that's why he's so perfect for the Fox News audience. Dog told Fox News that he thought, I had a pass in the black tribe to use the N-word kind of like Eminem. And asked who gave him that pass, Dog responded, The Brothers! Holy shit! <laughs> now the guy who attempted the assassination of Ronald Reagan... He should be heralded as a hero, to be honest with you. <laughs> John Hinckley, who shot President Reagan, wins unconditional release. A federal judge has approved the unconditional release next year of John Hinckley Jr., who wounded President Ronald Reagan and three others outside of Washington, D.C. hotel in a failed assassination attempt in 1981. I mean, the only reason he's serving time is because he failed, right? My, how history could have changed. I'm not advocating. Ingley is now 66 years old and has been living outside a mental health facility for the past several years as a result of a gradual, a gradual lightening of supervision. His lawyer said the momentous event of Hinckley's full release in June is both appropriate and required by law. There is no evidence of danger whatsoever. Barry Levine has said, adding that Hinckley has an excellent prognosis. What kind of houseplant do you have that's named Hinckley? Is that is that a cactus type name? A money plant. Sounds about white, yes. Mike Reagan is not the is not the cool Reagan. He's the one like he opposed Inkley's release, whereas the other Reagan children, like Ron Jr. and then like there's a sister, isn't there? Like they were all for it. 
I think they've been advocating for his release. I think they meet with him and everything. I might be mistaken on that. Oh, yeah. Fuck Steven Crowder. I'm sorry I pulled up his site and gave him the advertising dollars. We're going to watch this uh, this sheriff here, which like... Oh, no, Sam Cedar, what a fucking nightmare. I don't understand how right-wingers can applaud this sheriff but also be, like, pro-gun rights. This sheriff is, like... Talking about how you better beware if you're an American gun owner. I don't under I don't understand the right wing disconnect. Like this is the government, and they're they're sending a message to gun owners. I again want to provide our community with another update of what's going on with the search for uh, this individual. The first thing I want to say to our community. So this is there's a manhunt for a Patrick McDowell in Nassau County, Florida. McDowell is accused of shooting a sheriff's deputy at a traffic stop. Fucking hero. Nassau County Sheriff Bill Leeper instructed citizens that McDowell is at large and highly dangerous. Is that Deputy Josh Moyers is not going to survive. Last night, his family... And fiance. Celebrate good times. Come on. Donate his organs. So they're in the process now of finding recipients. Donating his organs. They'll follow that process. But unfortunately, Deputy Moyers is is the most usefulness. I also want to thank all the that this motherfucker has ever provided to the community. Jacksonville. That's harsh of me. Some of the best of the best. I assume it's just a blank sheet of paper, Adam. For Josh, where the bullets lodged, what what it did, uh, there's just nothing they could do, unfortunately. First Coach Crime Stoppers has provided (laughs) $5,000 anyone who has any information leading to the arrest of this individual this is the association also has five thousand dollars list of good cops <laughs> find this murderer we now have a murderer on the loose in our community we're still searching the same area uh, we were yesterday uh, it's about covid is indeed the number one cause of death by a long shot it's usually car wreck is the number one cause of death and and with, with those car wrecks it's usually their fault because they were going way too fast car wreck is usually the number one cause of death it's not it's right now the number two cause of death among law enforcement and then it's covid by a long shot over 300. Uh, that are searching this area. Overnight, we did find a couple of items of interest. Uh, we found a, a flashlight. We also found, we believe we may have found his hat. So we still think he's in this area somewhere. I kind of want to take a screenshot of this and 
Make the sign say something funny, like, look at this dork here. Emphasize, if we find out anybody has helped him or is going to help him. Dork crossing. We find out you've helped this guy. We're going to arrest you. We're going to arrest you for preventing us to capture him. This guy is dangerous. Why else would I help him if I didn't want you to capture him? If he breaks in your home and you have a gun, blow him out the door. Because he's like a rabid animal. He will kill you. With his mindset. What he did to that deputy was uncalled for and unnecessary, and he needs to pay for it. So we're going to continue to search. We're going to find him. We're going to find him eventually. We want All right, my setup for this video is a little off. I didn't understand the headline. I want to thank all the agencies that are here helping. Uh, it's, it's, it's a tremendous undertaking. Uh, a lot of personnel needed. And I thank all those agencies for doing that. His message to gun owners was to blow a motherfucker away if they see him. Wasn't expecting the sheriff to be like, yes, do the vigilante justice thing. Yesterday, I talked about the 39 miners that got stuck in Canada. I didn't get a chance to go into it because it got cut off because of a technical malfunction. But the workers have escaped from a Canadian mine after a 10-hour vertical climb. Dozens of workers trapped in a Canadian mine are in the process of making a dramatic escape that involves climbing vertically for up to 10 hours. 39 employees at the Taunton Mine in northern Ontario were trapped underground starting midday on Sunday when its elevator system was damaged. The workers stayed in underground refuge stations with a significant supply of water and received deliveries of food and medication from rescue teams. According to the United Steelworkers Union, whose local uh, 6500 chapter represents 30 of the 39 miners, rescue crews started moving them out on Monday using a process that involves a long climb up a series of steep ladders. The exhausted miners, who had been in the mine shaft for more than a day when the rescue mission started, are wearing harnesses as they make their uh, 0.6 of a mile ascent, according to the BBC. I don't think the the BBC is at a sixth of a mile. The miners were coming from the depths of uh, between 900 and 1,200 meters, or roughly... 2,000 to 4,000, about 3,000 to 4,000 feet. The Toronto Star noted that the city's famous CN Tower pales in comparison at 553 meters, spread out over 1,700 steps. John Rideout, the chief mine rescue officer at Ontario Mine Rescue, said that the climb could take up to 10 hours to complete and that there are rest stops every 100 meters. The workers need a break. At least uh, 35 of the miners had reached the surface as of mid-Tuesday morning, according to the CBC. United Steelworkers District 6 said Tuesday morning that a team of doctors is checking the miners as they emerge and that no one has been injured in the incident or evacuation process. Miners will be given uh, rides home. It added...
So I'm happy to report that story because I'm from eastern Kentucky and usually when I'm reporting miners trapped in a mine, the outcome is never fucking good. Almost always death. So awesome job in Canada of having safe minds apparently. All right, so China has banned Bitcoin. Very strong start to the year. Bitcoin and its fellow cryptocurrencies hit hard times yet again this week. The biggest news and most wounding setback was China's announcement of new regulations banning all cryptocurrency mining and transactions. The government left no wiggle room the world's most populous nation, buying, selling, and otherwise dealing in crypto is now flat-out illegal. On Friday, 10 government bodies, including the People's Bank of China, issued a joint statement vowing to crack down on cryptocurrencies and condemn the technology as a threat to citizens' assets and a tool for facilitating criminal activities like money laundering. Price of Bitcoin fell about 8% on the news, but regained its footing somewhat later in the day. Other smaller cryptocurrencies took an even bigger hit. China has been instituting increasingly restrictive laws on cryptocurrencies in recent years. The country previously made it illegal for corporations to provide cryptocurrency-related services and to run uh, cryptocurrency exchanges in the country. These new regulations go even further and essentially amount to a wholesale ban on most every activity that allows the cryptocurrency ecosystem to function. Now, even cryptocurrency exchanges outside of the country won't be allowed to serve people living in China. The country's National Development and Reform Commission also announced that it is cutting power off for cryptocurrency mining operations, which expend large amounts of electricity to solve complex mathematical puzzles for which they're rewarded with units of digital currency. The agency escalated its campaign to root out unauthorized mining from the country last week by targeting people who pretend to be data researchers in order to hide these energy-intensive activities. The Chinese government's move to rein in cryptocurrency also has to do with its desire to exert more control over economic activity in the country. Bitcoin and its brethren were designed as tools for facilitating transactions without institutional authorities like banks or governments, so allowing them to flourish in any country takes some power away from state actors. China is now trying to supplant Bitcoin by creating its own digital currency known as ECNY which will be backed by the government. However, ECNY has only superficial similarities to Bitcoin and doesn't use blockchain, the ledger technology, at the heart of all cryptocurrencies. I don't know how to feel about cryptocurrency because I know finance is going to be a huge thing moving forward. In the news, and I've been trying to cover financial stories over the last week or so. And I have failed miserably in faceplanted because I had no fucking clue what anybody was talking about. 
So I don't know how to feel about cryptocurrency. The the technology excites me. I don't know how I feel about a currency that is not backed by a government or pegged to something like the U.S. dollar. So, jury is still out. The blockchain technology, though, is exciting, as I understand it. I'm very much a fan of open source software. And being able to, you know, repair your own shit, write your own programs. So, existing outside of a regulated structure is appealing to me. However... Playing with currency has real-life consequences. I've even looked into doing the blockchain because I have a powerful computer. I feel like the blockchain technology can be used for other things. I don't know if currency is the is the thing that we use it for. I'm not disagreeing with the with the decentralized banks. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Right, this is a crazy story, and I can already tell I'm not going to like it. That content warning, some people might get upset about this. A photographer and social media star, Matt Matthews, has had his opossum taken from him by the state. He claims that the opossum was his baby. Here is a, and fuck the state indeed. Here's a picture of him with his opossum, which is goddamn cute as fuck. Aren't they? Like, until they open their mouth and when they're scared and they do the... They're they're fucked up looking when they do that shit. But when they're not doing... When they're just like fucking happy little critters like that, fuck. Look how cute that thing is. Well taken care of, too. Matt Matthews, one of the most sought-after boudoir photographers. Okay, I wasn't expecting him to be a boudoir photographer. The plot thickens. One of the most sought-after boudoir photographers in the Southeast, and a multiple-time award-winning, a multiple-time world-qualifying barrel racer, is also a fierce animal advocate and has spent years rehabilitating one of his favorite creatures, opossums. Matthews has a huge fan base on social media, with over 56,000 followers on Instagram alone. Between showing his photography and making funny videos online, Matthews shows off his animals, horses, dogs, and cats, and his baby, an opossum named Donovan. Oh my god, its name is Donovan! Now, after Donovan was taken by the state on Friday, Matthews doesn't even know if he's alive. What? Oh my god!
It was Friday. Matthews was at work getting ready for a shoot at his downtown Birmingham studio when he got a call from his husband. His husband said there were four game wardens from the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources, Wildlife, and Freshwater Fisheries Division. Three. I doubt he said that whole thing. Three vehicles blocking the driveways, and they had a search warrant. They were coming for the four-year-old opossum. Why did you need four wardens? Why did you need three vehicles to surround my house? When I have one possum who is not doing anything wrong, Matthews said. A representative for the Alabama Wildlife and Freshwater Fisheries Division did not respond to AL.com's request for comment. What about the people who are poaching and killing endangered animals? What about people who are fighting dogs and chickens? What about the people who are starving horses? Matthew said he is aware he broke the law and he isn't asking for Donovan back. Yes, I know that it's illegal, but I have a heart and I love these animals. I can't just let them die if there's something I can do to help. Yeah, I mean, I thought red states were about freedom. Man can't have an opossum. Where are the right-wingers getting outraged? They're not because there's not they're not going to because the man's gay. Matthews is asking for proof that Donovan is alive and that he'd be taken to a reputable rehabilitation center in South Carolina called the Opossum's Pouch Sanctuary. Matthews is willing to pay for the transport and representatives for the sanctuary have agreed to take Donovan. Matthews said they have called the wildlife department and have not been contacted in return. Matthews has been rehabilitating opossums for years and releasing them. He is not a licensed wildlife rehabilitation official, a license which he said the state makes nearly impossible to receive. He also said he doesn't want to be a full-time rehabber between his photography business and barrel racing. He doesn't have time. But he will also never turn down an animal who needs help. Motherfucker, this guy is awesome. Fucking Matt Matthews. Go follow him on social media. Apparently, it's animals and barrel racing and boudoir photography. It may very well. It may it may be something against him. All right, now I'm going to hit the content warning again on this one. We're doing all animal stories for the end of the show here. It's not what you think on this one. It's just kind of shitty that they've got this dog doing push-ups with this cop. I do not think cops should be using sweet puppies like this as officers. It absolutely is animal abuse. However, this is cute as fuck. You've got to admit it. They should not be using animals for any reason. And I I abhor fucking using bomb-sniffing dogs and, like, animals to detect mines and war. All that shit. I'm so against that shit. However, this video's cute. If this wasn't a cop doing it, it it wouldn't upset me as much. Because the puppy's just imitating him as he's doing push-ups.
Now a crazy story out of Atlanta. This is a suburb called uh, Buckhead. Where just uh, a herd of goats Oh, you know that motherfucker couldn't do more than two push-ups. The dog was in way better shape than he was. That dog could go all day, and he was happy to. (laughs) But this is a bunch of goats. I have no clue how they got out. But they were roaming this street corner on an Atlanta suburb afternoon. Well, it's odd that, you know, um, goats are really smart. Goats are awesome. A flash mob of goats. I had a pot dealer one time that had goats. I didn't realize they had an electric fence around the goats, and I go up to pet one of the goats because they were really fucking friendly. They'd come right up to you. But I didn't know the fence was electrified, and I shocked the shit out of myself. Atlanta's cool. I used to go all the time. I have a former friend that lives in Atlanta, and I would go and and shoot movies with her. Her name is is Molly Mayhem. She she would have been the host, the co-host of the Friday Night Freak Show, like she used to be. But no, 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 no. We had to have a falling out. Molly Mayhem, no longer the co-host of the Friday Night Freak Show. We've got Sparkles Lavender, who is is a better co-host, to be honest with you. I didn't realize I was back on YouTube until RB commented. So, uh, after I get off here, I'm going to put a clip that I clipped of the Friday Night Freak Show of Sparkles reacting to the woman pulling out a gun at Chipotle. It is fucking hilarious. Goats will eat about anything, as as I understand it. Holy, like, this is like a a, a fucking 50-minute-long live shot they did of all these goats. See if we can get a, uh... Well, fuck, can I get a link to the story? Let's find out what happened. A busy sidewalk in Buckhead became a temporary petting zoo on Monday as Fox 5 Atlanta followed a herd of goats that escaped from a work site. Wait, what were they using the goats for at the work site? The goats were calmly grazing outside of a rooms to go near the intersection of Peachtree Road and Piedmont Road. Police officers and volunteers set up a perimeter of netting to contain the goats. At around 12.30 p.m., a truck arrived to transport the goats safely back to their work site. The goats belonged to a nearby business, Get Your Goats. The owner said businesses rent goats to eat vegetation to clean out overgrown underbrush 
They're an alternative to using heavy machinery or toxic chemicals. So these are working goats. He said about 40 goats were on the job grazing behind a nearby Kroger before they escaped. I would say that is animal abuse as well, but they probably really like that shit. Oh, I fucking love goat cheese. That is one of my favorite things in the world. Probably one of my favorite fucking pizza toppings is goat cheese. Deep steak goats. I They make excellent lawnmowers because they really fucking like that shit. And those are some cute fucking goats. Wait a minute, who stole an MRAP? I don't know what you're talking about. When did this happen, Adam? In 2020? Oh, yeah. You would have thought I would have heard about it. Motherfucking goats are so cool. I'll flip back to the live shot before I dump you guys out somewhere. Since I got the YouTube back, I'll go start posting some fucking clips and some shit. Put up the uh, freak show from Friday night. Sparkles and I did a really good job for like the first hour and a half and then the show just kind of devolved into her talking about being hungry and where we're going to go eat afterwards. (laughs) we haven't checked in with jack in a while so if you are watching on twitch i'm gonna send you over to riverboat jack go ahead light one up tip one back it's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack i'm justin freaking we will see you tomorrow night on the troll patrol live